Well, happy Father's Day. Once again, uh, so thankful for you dads, and uh, I realize that uh, for uh, some of you, just like Mother's Day, um, Father's Day uh, may be difficult for a variety of different reasons, and um, so on a day where a lot of people are celebrating, um, some of you aren't celebrating so much, and so uh, I just want to let you know that my prayer has been with you over the last few years. When uh, A few years ago, when we lost my mom, I have a, an extra special sensitivity and understanding of that, um, but at the same time, today is a day that we kind of come around and we do celebrate dads, and so today, as we continue in our series, we, we just began um, uh, last week called Silah, a, a summer study through the Psalms, and we're studying selected psalms and uh, taking a look at what God's Word says. Today we're going to be in Psalm chapter 78, and so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm chapter 78. If you don't, the words will be on the screen. Um, my name's Todd, by the way. For those of you who might have come in late, I'm the lead pastor. Really glad that you are here with us today. How many of you have ever uh, had advice or instruction from your father that um, you decided at some point in time in your life was not good advice. All right, raise your hand, even if you're sitting next to him. <laughs> Awkward moment at lunch later today, but that's okay. All right, there, uh, there's some good advice out there, and there's some bad advice out there that, that fathers give, am I right? And uh, it, it kind of highlights something that, that I want to talk about, but I, I did a little research and found some bad dad advice this morning. Here's one that I found. Um, don't use your turn signals. No one needs to know where you're going. It's <laughs> bad dad advice. Uh, if a drink spills on the TV remote, throw it in the microwave for 20 seconds. It'll dry it out. Don't do that. That is bad dad advice. Um, let's see. If it moves and it, it's not supposed to, use duct tape. If it doesn't move and is supposed to, use WD-40. Isn't that great? I like that one. That one's not really bad. That's, that's good advice right there. I like that in most cases. My dad used to say this, and he said it, and when I was younger, I thought he meant it. And as I got a little bit older, I realized he was just being funny. He would say, um, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and uh, if you really think about that, that is not good dad advice, right? Yeah, it's terrible advice. <laughs> And I can think it kind of highlights the fact that, like, um, we dads are imperfect. We are human. We're born with sin. We all have failures. We all have weaknesses. And sometimes we give good advice thinking it's good, and it's not necessarily good. And it kind of highlights this fact that I want to begin with today, and that is, is that not all fatherly instruction is beneficial, but all biblical instruction is. Not all fatherly advice or instruction is beneficial, but I want you to hear something today that is truth, and that is all biblical instruction is beneficial. And that's true for even those of you who may have walked in here today and like you're kind of searching or seeking or maybe you're even skeptical to the Christian faith or religion or whatever it may be. Um, God's word and the advice and the instruction that God gives, particularly where, particularly where we see it in the Psalms or in Proverbs, that instruction is good and it's beneficial always, period, paragraph. And I think it kind of highlights the idea 
that we as fathers have a responsibility to not just pass down advice and instruction, but to pass down biblical advice and instruction. And yes, we fathers have this responsibility to teach our sons and daughters certain things in life. Man, my dad taught me so much. Um, One of the very first things that I remember him teaching me is how to shake hands. Isn't that interesting? Like that's something that we in our modern day culture believe that it's a dad's responsibility to teach, especially sons, how to shake hands. He he taught me um, how to shave. Um, Usually when he comes up, he lives in Florida, comes up to see me, he'll, he'll say something like, man, I think you forgot how to shave, all right? And that's kind of fun. We have some fun with that. Um, Dad taught me how to grill, man. He taught me how to grill anything. Uh, you know, I mean, just you can put anything on the grill, all right? As long as you put the right kind of seasoning on it, it'll taste fine, all right? That's what he taught me. He taught me how to grill. Um, my dad taught me how to treat my wife and my kids. He taught me in, in, uh, how to be a, a man of integrity through modeling. In fact, I texted him that this morning. I said, Dad, you taught me so much by modeling in your own life what it means to be a faithful man, what it means to be a good man. He taught me how to um, landscape. Uh, I have a new yard guy uh, at, in my yard, and uh, his name is Sean Cullen because he turned 10 this year. And I taught him how to landscape. And in a few years, he'll be uh, available for hire, just so you guys know, all right? He doesn't know that yet, and he's not here. He's in up in upstate at Camp Kid Jam, so I can say that. All right, my dad taught me, um, he taught me a, a good work ethic. He, he taught me um, how to work hard. That's something I'm very thankful for from my dad. Dad taught me how to drive. <laughs> we almost didn't make it through that one. <laughs> I lived in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and um, he had this huge Cadillac, like back in the 1980s style, like big Cadillac, not just wide, but long and like strong. And he thought that would be the best car for me to learn how to drive on in Atlanta. (laughs) And he he showed me around, you know, the neighborhoods. But then one day we finally got out on the freeway. We went out on Highway 78. Uh, I grew up not on 278, but 78, uh, Snow Mountain Freeway. And we were merging and we about, I about pulled over, and we about came to blows right there. I mean, it was ugly. It was an ugly few minutes there with me and my dad. <laughs> um, but he taught me how to drive. But the best thing that my dad um, taught me and passed down is a love for the Lord. And I, I texted him this morning, and um, I don't think my dad, because of the home he grew up in, always knew exactly what that meant, but you know, he always made sure that my sister and I were in church. He and mom did. And he always encouraged um, the spiritual growth that was taking place in our lives, even when he didn't know exactly what to do and how to teach the Bible necessarily. He passed biblical instruction on by fanning the flame of our spiritual growth. And I think that sometimes as, as fathers, we're put under this pressure to, to teach everything contained in here and to model everything contained in here um, perfectly. And I think what the Bible is instructing us as dads, and by the way, moms, you can apply everything that we're saying today to moms. I think what God's word says is it's our responsibility to pass this 
on. It's not that we have to know everything about it, although we should always be searching um, for our understanding and what God has to teach us. We'll talk about that in a moment. But it's our job to create and find environments where our children and the next generation can grow. And if you're a dad or you serve in the role of a dad, this message is for you. But if you're here today and you're not a dad, maybe one day you will be, or perhaps you have someone or some people in your life who kind of like are a father or are a son or a daughter in a certain um, respect, even though biologically they may not be, I believe this message is for you. I believe it's for those of you who are Christians in the workplace. I believe it's those of you who are here today and you're educators. I believe it's for those of you who are here today and you have an impact and an influence in your neighborhood or your community, um, even if you live in Ohio. Okay, so there's my little Ohio slam today. All right, just kidding. Totally kidding. I love Ohio. Okay, so we're going to be in Psalm 78 today, and we're going to be looking at this very interesting passage. Now, just a little bit of background on Psalm 78. We're only going to study the first eight verses because it's a very long, the, the, the whole thing is very long. And, and, and we see right at the beginning that this psalm is a, a psalm or um, a, a maskal of Asaph. And we've heard of, um, you know, we may have heard of Asaph before, but this was a real person who's mentioned in Chronicles several times in the Old Testament. And so we know that this was a person who had some interaction with King David and probably King Saul and probably um, even Solomon. All right, And this was a person that the best that we can understand about Asaph is, is that he was someone who was a, a, a poet and he was a, a writer. Um, he wrote songs and he was also probably uh, one who sang and, and performed. And so he was what we would call today a singer-songwriter. And, and the best way that I can put this is I believe in this psalm and many of the psalms from about um, like Psalm 50 to about 80-something, um, is, is that David probably collaborated with Asaph. And, and this was either written by Asaph or by David and Asaph, or it was written in the style of the way that he would have written. Because eventually what happened is, is that in the temple, they eventually adopted the way that he would write, and there were all of these lyrics and songs that were written kind of in his style. So it's possible that this could have been a, uh, kind of a nod towards the style, but I believe it was something that was written um, by David or uh, it was written by Asaph and David kind of in a collaborative effort. And, and what, what we see here, I believe, is, is that David's hand is on this because of its strong reference to the nation of Israel. Because in many of the Psalms, there's a kind of a flashback to what God was doing in the history of the Jewish people and is in Israel's history and how they responded to God, which wasn't always with great faithfulness. In fact, there were many times when God would give his instruction and the nation of Israel would reject that. And in fact, that's what we're going to see here today is, is that in rejecting it, um, we really put a whole generation and a whole like, society of people on a very slippery slope. And I think that maybe some of the things that we're experiencing in today's culture is a result of us as Christian moms and dads not taking seriously this responsibility that we have, this holy responsibility that we have. To not just be frustrated with the world around us, but more importantly, to pass this on to the next generation. Let's take a look at Psalm 
78, 1 through 8. It says here, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. I want to say that again. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious Deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He's established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a new law in Israel. We see there kind of the, um, the, the different uh, kind of groups of people, but he's all talking about the whole nation of Israel there. When he commanded our fathers to, say that next word, teach to their children, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So we have hope, we have not forget, and we have keep. We're going to come back to that at the end. And they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And then the rest of that chapter goes on to give descriptions and illustrations of this. But for today's purpose, just to be able to kind of tackle this, we want to look at just verses 1 through 8. And I believe what the author or authors do here is extremely, in an extremely clear way, outline the role of a godly dad. The role of a father is is threefold, I believe. To know the truth, to tell the stories, and to pass it on. Men, that's our role. Our role is to know the truth, to be able to tell the stories, and to be able to pass it on. And in this psalm, we see a description of what we're not supposed to do, even more of what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to keep it. We're not supposed to stifle it. And we're not supposed to hide it. When we keep it and when we stifle it and when we hide it, it literally does nothing to influence the next generation. And what happened, as the author says at the end here, is is that in Israel, in the nation of Israel, for the Jewish people, what that resulted in is a turning of their back against God. So we've got to be careful to not take what God is doing, dads, in our life, as men who are strong and don't want to share our feelings and our emotions and what's going on spiritually sometimes. I get that. But we don't want to be men who God's doing something with and we just keep it and we hide it and we stifle it because we don't want to show the next generation what God is doing in our lives. Quite candidly, they need to see that. Now, when I say 
that we're supposed to know the truth, what does that mean? I think it it means that um, we first and foremost have a listening ear. Check out verse 1. He says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears uh, to the words of my mouth. I think the first thing in, in being, the role, uh, being in the role of a, a spiritual dad or a godly dad is, is that in knowing the truth, we've got to have a listening ear. If we're telling the next generation that they need to hear from God, yet we're not, that, that's like, like the, the kind of the pinnacle of hypocrisy, right? That's what happened in you know, several generations later when Jesus talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these leaders politically and in terms of Judaism, that were always telling people what to do, but they themselves weren't doing that thing. And so dads, we need to have a listening ear. We need to have an open heart to, to not just hearing the truth, but receiving the truth and receiving what God may do in our lives. Just because we're men doesn't mean that God can't work on our hearts. In fact, if we're the spiritual leader of our homes and in our marriage, and if God established us as a spiritual leader in society, that's, a, that's a, a great responsibility. And with that comes a great responsibility to hear from God and to allow him to pierce our hearts and change us and be vulnerable about it. And then finally, we've got to spend time with God. If we are going to be men and, and, and moms as well, dads who, who know the truth, We've got to have a listening ear, and we've, we've got to have an open heart, and we've got to spend time with God if we're going to know the truth. And then the second thing is, is that we've got to tell the stories. We've got to tell the stories. And I think this can happen in a variety of different ways. And I'm going to admit to you today, I'm going to be vulnerable for a moment, okay? I'm going to admit to you today that this is a lot harder in a family context sometimes than it is in this kind of context, it's a lot harder for me as a pastor sometimes to open up to Cynthia and Sydney and Sean than it is to tell you about it. There's a closeness there that requires bravery and courage, men, that we need to have in our homes. So when we're having a meal, we share what God's doing. When we're going through life, we share what God is doing. Because often that means that we have to explain that God's convicting us and changing us and calling us to something new. And sometimes that's scary. It's terrifying, men, isn't it? And so sometimes it's easier to do that in a larger kind of context with people that you don't know as well than it is to do it with the people who know you best and, by the way, are probably going to call you out when you go against something that you're teaching that God is doing in your life. There's an accountability built in there that's difficult sometimes. But we have to tell the stories. And I want to encourage you to do that in two different ways. First and foremost is look for natural opportunities to do that. I heard someone talk about different times, men and dads and moms, that we can do this. And, and they explained it this way. They said it's, it's during chill time when you're just hanging out. When Sean and I are, you know, like on the road going somewhere and it's just me and him. And just those times that just naturally come up. Meal time. Nighttime and sports time. I added that one in because if you're a parent in here, you probably have a child that is involved in some kind of athletic endeavor, all right? That's our culture today. 
So look for those natural opportunities, those natural times to share the truth, to pass that on. But we also have to make intentional opportunities to do that. In the last two years, as Sean is kind of 9, 10, and heading in, you know, towards 11 years old, um, I've started doing devotions with him at night. And there's a lot of nights I'll forget or I'm too tired or even too cranky sometimes, you know, to do that. But um, we've made it a practice um, to do that as, as many nights as, as we possibly can. And so we got a devotional, and uh, we, we just walk through that day by day. Uh, it's pretty cool because as I'm, I'm about a month into this devotional, it started in January, and I realized that one of my buddies from high school is one of the authors, which is kind of cool. Uh, pretty neat connection there. God does those types of things, by the way. And so I think there's times when we, we have to create intentional or make intentional opportunities. And, and Sean, man, his, his, um, like, he just really loves when, when we talk about these things. And he's the kind of kid that always asks why. And my response sometimes is to say, it's because. Just believe it. And that's not a great answer. All right, bad dad advice right there. Like, I have to really take my time and explain with him. He's not exactly like the most. He doesn't take things at face value. But we spend time together at night talking about the things of God. Um, Sydney and I, Sydney's back here um, running um, in production. And um, later today, she and I are going to go. She's, uh, thir- she just turned 13. And uh, she and I are going on a daddy-daughter date this afternoon, which is so cool, right? And at some point in time, I think that's going to involve us stopping at Ulta so I, can get my pro- so I can get my product. All right, so anyway, yeah, I think that's what that's going to involve today. <laughs> and uh, so there are times that we have to create times with our children. And Sydney loves time together. She doesn't always love time with me. I'm always like, you know, kind of like telling her what to do or like telling her I love history. I'm telling her about history or Bible stories or whatever. But um, we have to, sometimes we have to make those opportunities to be able to pass that down. And then many years ago, Cynthia and I um, began praying a, a blessing over our kids. It was something that she read um, in a book that Noel Piper, John Piper's wife, talked about, praying prayers of blessing over our children. We have one prayer that we pray every single night over our kids. And I know that that's not going to remove them from harm. I know that that's not going to remove their lives from trouble. But our prayer and our hope is, and our prayer that we're trusting God with them, is that they would grow up to be men and women who seek God love people and a prayer of blessing is a tool that can be used for your children there's also a a number of tools out there a bunch of different tools out there and we as a church help you if you're a parent here and you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church um, we subscribe to an excellent curriculum that we use in, in our kids' ministry area back in Island Kids and also in Ignite. And it's called Orange. And the concept is, is that the, the church is, is um, red and that the parents are yellow. And when we combine it, 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 it makes orange in terms of the spiritual influence that is the top spiritual influence in their lives. 
And that's something that if you're a part of our church, as we head towards our 10-year anniversary, you've heard a lot about, you've heard a little bit about that. You're going to be hearing more and more about that. And the great thing is, is there's an excellent tool that um, Cynthia and I downloaded on our phone, and you can do the same thing. It's called the Parent Queue. And uh, Summer and um, Leslie have information about that uh, back in Island Kids. It is a great way for you to um, walk through just day by day or week by week some of the same things that they're learning that week in Island Kids. Man, what a great tool. Isn't that awesome? There's all kind of online devotionals and devotionals that um, you can buy. But i got to tell you, as much as it is our role as dads and moms to know the truth and tell the stories and to pass it on, so much more is caught than taught. Am I right? And the way that we live our lives matters. When the psalmist says here, I open my mouth in a parable and I'll utter dark sayings from old, by the way, he's not talking about dark in terms of negative and and, um, uh, something that's sad. He's talking about something that is from old, dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and know that our fathers have told us. And when it says that in verse 4 that we will not hide them from our children, I believe that he's talking about uh, explaining the truth but also modeling the truth. And i got to tell you that so much more is caught than it is taught. So what matters? Dads, what matters? What we believe matters. What we do every day with our lives matters. What we say matters. What we teach matters. How we treat matters. And how we live our lives, it all matters. My dad was on the road um, almost every single week. He would leave on Sunday, or he'd leave on Monday, and he would be gone, and he'd come back on Friday. And it's difficult, if you're a dad in here, to be able to lead your kids spiritually when you're on the road. But i got to tell you, my dad made it happen. And the way that he made that happen is he fanned the flame of encouragement spiritually in our lives. He didn't always know how to do it, but he did it by doing that. And the second thing is he modeled integrity. He modeled integrity, and faithfulness. And my dad was the master of when he would make a mistake, and he made a lot of them. I get to say that because I'm 44 now. And he's probably listening to this podcast later this week. Hi, Dad. I love you. Happy Father's Day again. But when he made mistakes, he always admitted it, and he asked for forgiveness. And guys, we make a lot of mistakes. Men, dads, we do, don't we? We make a lot of mistakes, parents. And I think that our children need to see us make mistakes. They need to see us make mistakes. They need to see our flaws, our mistakes, our failures. They also need to witness that conscience and conviction that's led by God's Holy Spirit. And they need to see us work through repentance. They also need to experience when we've done something against them, they need to experience forgiveness. And they need to experience restoration. And they need to watch what God does in our life when we make mistakes. When I say um, that we're not supposed to hide the truth, 
I don't mean just the truth from God's word, but I also believe it's the truth of what God is doing. And men, we have to face the fact that we make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes are made with the full view and audience of our family. They are watching right in front of us. Sean and I went and we played golf a few weeks ago, and he's kind of finally getting interested in golf. I wanted to be interested when he was two, but he's now 10, and he's finally interested. And that's fine with me. I've worked through that, all right? Um, so we were playing golf, and um, I was um, in the middle of a fairway. I'd hit a great drive, and my second shot, I, I went back, and I topped it, and it went about 20 feet in front of me, not 20 yards, 20 feet. I topped it bad. And uh, Sean, literally out of his mouth, in the cart, sitting in the cart, he goes, I have a front row view of this. Our kids have a front row view, dads, of our lives. And they see us in our best moments, and they see us in our worst moments. They see us when we're loving and kind, and they see us when we're frustrated, and we need that stress ball. (laughs) And they see us when we're angry, when we have a temper. They see us maybe when we're down and depressed. They see us when work is going well, when it's not going well. They see us when things at home are going well and not going well. They see us maybe even in our addictions and what we're faced with in terms of trying to break out of the bondage of sin with something. And they need to see that happen. But they also need to experience the forgiveness and the restoration and the reconciliation. Listen, they need to watch our spiritual journeys. They need to see God growing us and changing us even in the midst of crisis because the role of the father may be to uh, know the truth and tell the stories and pass it on but here's the role of the children and we see it in this passage it's to live the truth it's to live the truth to hear the stories and to pass it on I've told the story before in here that my grandmother um, was uh, saved at a Billy Sunday uh, revival meeting. Now, if you knew my stoic uh, family, you would be shocked that she went to a revival meeting back in the 1920s. But she did, or 30s, I mean, and she did, and she was saved. And you know what my grandmother did? She took the change that God had made in her life, and she passed it on to my mom. And you know what my mom did? My mom and my dad, they passed it on to me. And my responsibility is now to pass it on to my kids. And their responsibility is to pass it on to their kids. And that's our job. And it can be infectious until we stifle it and keep it within. And we don't share it. We keep it all bottled up in here. Then all of a sudden, that infectious thing that God is doing in multiple generations of families stops. And it's our responsibility to make sure that continues. And the reason why it's so important is that when we pass it on in the next generation, they will trust in God. They will remember his deeds, and they will live for him. (laughs) Selah means to stop to pause and consider calmly, carefully, to pause and calmly consider what we're doing. And dads, I want to just ask us to pause and consider how we're leading our families. I I have moments that I'm ashamed that I won't do this better. I'm just being honest with you. 
There are times when I, I wonder if I'm teaching Sean more about the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> and sports in general and who's going to win the U.S. Open today than I am about the truth of God's word. And recently I was really convicted because there's, even though we do devotionals at night and we may use the parent cue occasionally with him and there are things that we, we do that we do well, there's a family Bible on our shelf and it's been there for a long, long time. And it's been a long time since we've actually taken God's word, not just devotionals, and opened it up. And I want to encourage you dads, if there's a Bible on your shelf that's gathering dust, maybe it's time to take it out. And I, I know for a lot of us that's figurative because a lot of the things that we learn in devotionals and parent cues and along the way are from God's word and we can teach them that with those tools. But I think sometimes we've just got to take God's word out and we've got to begin to teach them what it says. And that's what it means to have a father's instruction. That's good dad advice, passing God's word down to the next generation. My hope and my prayers is that we as dads would take that seriously, as seriously as we do teaching our kids about success and athletics and life skills, that we teach them the things of God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. Regardless of what our dad history is, each one of us in here has a different story about our dads. And for some in here, when they think of dad, it may be a painful experience. And for some who are in here today, when they think of their father, they did very well the things that we just discussed and the things that we just talked about. And God, for some who are in this room, it's just a matter of them being serious about their role to pass on to the next generation the things of you. God, I pray that you would help us to be courageous in this effort. That we would be men who are not ashamed to be vulnerable with those who know us best. God, that when there are times when we know you're calling us to do that and we begin to bend and buckle and hide it, um, God, that we would trust in you and that we would rely on you to be able to push through that and be courageous and explain to them what God has done in our lives and what he is doing in our lives. God, help us to not be dads who are hypocrites and are just trying to teach because um, we're obsessed with knowledge. God, may we be obsessed with your Holy Spirit working in our lives and you doing a work in our family so that the next generation will know you, that they'll believe in you, that they'll trust you, and that they will live for you. God, we thank you so much that when we fail as fathers and when our fathers fail, that you're there for us. That regardless of the picture of a dad that we have, whether it's good or bad, we know that you are a great father. That you've done so much for us, including sending Jesus, your only son, to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life in heaven one day. 
And God, I pray that today on Father's Day 2017 that we would reflect on that. In those moments when um, it's difficult thinking about our dad. God, I pray that you would help us to remember and to realize that you are truly a good, good father. We thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.